Hello and welcome to Not a Fire Baby First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week we're doing things a little bit differently uh, because we, we've kind of reworked our schedule a little bit around the big 200. Yeah. Um, basically, what we're doing is this week is going to be a lightning round where we go through our lists of things we'd like to reboot, but so far haven't really thought of something beyond, hey, it'd be cool if we rebooted them. Yeah. And we're just going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that we won't address them later on in the show. It just for now, it's just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this got another take? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next week uh, is going to be a few weeks early annual Once Upon a Time reboot. Well, we'll be talking about season six. Which may or may not be our one last Once Upon a Time. We've d- we've gone back and forth, I think. Yeah. Even, I was re-listening to the old episodes, and even then we were like, this is gonna get seven seasons. I think this would be the last season. This is gonna get seven seasons. <laughs> I have just started writing an outline. <laughs> I was also amused by the fact that in one episode you said that Long John Silver is Captain Hook's dad. And in another episode, you said, no, he's just his adoptive dad with no, no notes on like, I changed my mind. It's just like, no, I fully forgot. about yep. the fam- I never made the family tree. It's been replanted. Look, <laughs> these no. episodes weren't taken with the same care as the fan fiction. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, anyways, and so that's going to be episode 199. Then after that is episode 200. Woo! Woo! Um, I don't know when that'll come out. Because of various scheduling issues, but rest assured, it will be the 200th episode. We're not going to pull a ma-bim-bam and skip episode 420. (laughs) We're not going to be like No Dogs in Space, where Carolina just refused to have a (laughs) (laughs) five-parter. But yeah, but after that, we're going to take a bit of a break. Because we're tired, y'all. Yeah. So another reason we're doing Lightning Round is because... (laughs) We we are starting to run out of ideas. The fact that we've been going almost weekly for four years. Yeah. Let's, let's give ourselves a little ha- a round of applause here. <laughs> four rounds. I I think we've both moved at least uh, once each. You've moved like twice. No, I four. I moved 1.5 times. Oh, right. You moved four times. Yeah. <laughs> I moved 1.5 times. Yeah. <laughs> we both got COVID. Yep, we both got COVID. I, I don't know, the the boy who... Ryan, my brother, who's... Is he our most frequent guest? Or who would be our most I, frequent guest? Hmm? Has Ryan done a hat trick? I don't know. He's He's... Because I know one was... He, one was Naruto, then one he was replacing me because I was sick, and then another one he and you combined against me. <laughs> yeah, and also Fantasia. and Yeah, that was Fantasia. Oh, right, and then in, Oga- in the and video Gunwich. game, yeah. So I think, yeah, Ryan is the most frequent yeah. at like so, 3.5. Yeah. Uh, you can now hear my brother on the goat in Prince George. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a real radio person now. Yeah. 
Um, but that doesn't mean like you won't be hearing from us. We've got other projects. We both have other irons in the fire, and we're not ending the show. We're just going on a brief hiatus. Yeah. Another reason is I think it'd be cool if I had a few months where I didn't like get home from work and immediately have to edit the show, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be a long ordeal, but it is because <laughs> of the agonies. <laughs> Like, un- unless you're able to edit as your full-time gig. <laughs> and yeah. even if you are. Mm-hmm. But anyways. anyways. But, but for now. For, for now, today, this week. Yeah. We're going to go through our lists of things. Our own personal spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, do, whose side do you want to start with? Uh, do we want to roll the dice? Or do we want to, Okay. Do you want... Or, I, I don't know, because we've got three categories of me, you, and either. Yeah. Let's start with you, because you have more on here. Okay. So, I think I'm just gonna go down the list of the shit I got. Oh, I was thinking we'd alternate. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I'll start for number one and just go down on my side. Okay. Yeah. So, number one is Northern Light by Jennifer Donnelly. So, this was a book I had read as a in middle school and it's about a young woman living in upstate new york who gets work at a hotel and there's a murder there and just before the murder happens the victim gives her like a whole bunch of letters so the main character matilda or uh maddie she's kind of solving this murder it's actually a fairly famous case it's based on a real on a real murder that happened but she's also like balancing home and work and trying to get into a college uh like in new york proper because this is the early 1900s um so i think i don't know it would make for a good live action mini series cool yeah all right the first entry on my list is hello down there which i i bring up in our inaugural episode (laughs) And I still haven't gotten around to it. I don't know why. Hello Down There is a 60s movie about a family who the dad is a scientist and he invents an underwater home. And so they move underwater. Uh, but, and, but the teens are in a band together and they're trying to get their album out. So they're like, they're sending their recordings through a pneumatic tube to the maid who then delivers them to the record label guy who has a machine that calculates how good a song is. And when they write a song about being friends with a goldfish, it is the most powerful song the machine has ever encountered. But while this is happening, the military is also picking up their recording sessions and thinks it's the Russians. <laughs> and and so just as the kids are performing live from under the sea, the military like all start diving down there to destroy the quote-unquote russian submarine oh my god um and and just as the american military is all like paratrooping into the ocean the film ends oh god (laughs) it just grinds to a fucking halt and i was pissed off and i turned to my mom and i said what did you just make me watch (laughs) now i don't know how i would fix this (laughs) other than give it an ending it's basically the jetsons under the sea yeah (laughs) But yeah, it either deserves a reboot or a good riffing. Maybe yep. I'll just mail a copy to Jonah and the bots. Yeah. So do we want to do an either or back to me? 
Sure. Well, so the, the one on top of the either list is Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, which I put in there right at the start before we got, uh, not a new Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, but a remake of the original Mystery Dungeons. Yeah. And this one just falls into the, the category of, hey, wouldn't it be cool if they made another Mystery Dungeon? Yeah. Did you ever play the Mystery Dungeons? Yes, I have. And okay. I like them. I like the idea Yeah, they're of them. good. Yeah. Everyone is emotionally invested in Grovile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all because of that one game from Gen 4. I think, okay, I've said that Gen 4 doesn't actually get a lot of love, but I do think it does get quite a bit of love. See, it's, it's in this weird spot where, like, by the time the nostalgia settled in beyond Gen 1, it kind of just, like, skipped right to Gen 5. Yeah. Because everyone was like, oh, we were too harsh on those. And you've already discussed how, like, you at this point you feel people course-corrected too hard. Yeah. But we, I mean, hey, we have a whole podcast set in Generation 4, so, like, of course we like it. Yes. Um, okay. So, Master Keen, um, it's- Both the making of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a manga series by the guy who uh, created Monster. Um, it's about this uh, Japanese-British guy. He works as an insurance investigator for Lawyers of London, and it's all about his very interesting adventures. They're kind of espionage thriller adjacent, and he's also got quite the past, being a former member of the SAS and having gone to the Falklands. The, this is all set in the 90s, so like stuff in his past is from the 80s, from the 70s and 80s. And uh, his big dream is actually, I just want, like, tenure professorship and, like, some money to, you know, go down to the Danube and find this one ancient civilization. I'm pretty, I've got a pretty good hunch is there. I just need the fucking funds. And the whole story is about getting the funds? Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> All the while he's trying to find kidnapped people and solve murders. <laughs> so it'd be like a Murdoch Mysteries, but it wouldn't overstay its welcome. And then halfway through, it turns into Alan Quartermain. Yeah, God. The moment I stopped watching um, uh, Murdoch was when they had the episode where Crabtree learns Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my second entry is Galador The Next Dimension. <laughs> A show which everyone and yet no one remembers. Okay. It was. It was a show on YTV for us. I think it was on Fox in the States. It was made by Lego to tie into their Lego toys. With And the premise was that this kid found the outer dimensions and was searching for his dad alongside his best friend and the robot his dad uh, like didn't build because he wasn't a robot. He was a plant man who had to rebuilt into a robot. Uh, and they also found a little blue man, super speed, and a frog named Euripides. Uh, but the premise was that Nick had the power to glinch so he could swap limbs with other uh, beings. And that was the pr the premise of the toys, too, is that you could sew up their limbs in and out between each other. And if you use your speakers to activate the special effects on this specific toy, um, and the show was real silly and the toys were bad because they weren't, like, they were Lego toys, but you wouldn't think they were Lego toys on account of the fact that it was, like, basically action figures with swappable limbs. Only barely falling into the technic part. Um, but I think there's potential in Galador, and I think it would be cool if we saw it again. Maybe it would be better as an animated series. 
I think a lot of these I'm coming in here and saying, hey, it'd be cool if there was an animated series. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, so Tanner, did you ever watch Fries with that? I did watch Fries with that. I can't remember which one of us put that on here, actually. It, it honestly could have been either of us. Um, yeah. Anyway, Fries with that, for our mostly American listeners, was a... Uh, teen sitcom on YTV from 2004 that involved like a bunch of kids who worked at this fast food restaurant in Montreal and yeah it was like it fell into the same area as like student bodies and radioactive where it was like it was teens and it wasn't like it wasn't like a mature but it It wasn't CW teens (laughs) yeah it wasn't CW teens but it felt edgy enough that you could like when you watched it you were like this is a show for older kids it it was kind of like that 70s show but it wasn't catering to her parents yeah 2004 so all of the fashions are very like they've come back I'm also pretty confident you could find every episode of it on YouTube yeah and yeah see that one (laughs) It's pretty easy to reboot that one because the premise is just they work at a fast food joint. Yep. One can say that it's already been rebooted several times. Mm-hmm. But we'll do it again. Yeah. The style and panache. Um, anyway, the two princesses of Bamer. So this was a favorite um, book of mine from... I think I read it um, sometime between elementary school and middle school. Um, it's by Gail Carson Levine of Ella Enchanted fame, and it's about these uh, two princesses, uh, Addie and Meryl, and uh, they live in a fantasy kingdom with all the fantasy tropes. Basically what happens is that there's a fatal disease called the Great Death, and the more outgoing uh, Meryl gets it, so Addie has to go on a quest to find a way to cure her sister, and there's a lot of very interesting things that happen to her, uh, she winds up becoming like a hostage to a dragon. It it's interesting. It really is. It, there's an interesting twist at the end because this is a Gail Carson Levine book, so don't expect things to play out the way you expect them. And yeah, I think it would make for a good movie for kids. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm skipping my number three because I did just actually think of a way to do it that we could use for a full episode. Okay. So I'm going to jump down to my number four entry, which is Dragonheart. Ah. Dragonheart, as I hopefully you all know, is the story about a knight who tries to save the prince he was training from dying by having the local dragon merge his, like, share his heart with the prince. Because that's the thing dragons can do in this world. But then the prince grows up to be a tyrant and the knight blames the dragon. So he goes and he hunts down and kills every dragon. till the only dragon left is Sean Connery. (laughs) <laughs> and then he finds out that Sean Connery is the dragon who shared his heart, but also the the, heart, the dragon problem wasn't the heart problem, it's the boy problem, because the boy was always an asshole. Ah. And it's a really good... They didn't know they were writing a love story between a dragon and an old knight, but they were. Yeah. Um. Also important is that it had, like, eight different sequels. I've only seen the first two. Uh, the first sequel stars the older brother from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> okay. But more importantly, the local dragon in that one is, like, this baby-faced teen. <laughs> and that's that definitely awakens something in me. 
That'll happen. So yeah, the, I think I think my idea was what if it was like a modern Dragonheart or something that it takes place in the modern day. Okay. But that's as far as I got in the premise, and maybe I'll scooch it a bit further and say, and also it's gay. Yeah. But that's just a given with the eighty percent of the things we do. Yeah. Um, and then the next entry on our both is Digimon with the subcategory that says Digimon Frontier. I think this is more of a me one I just put in either because we're both kind of familiar with Digimon. Yeah, but honestly, you're more the Digimon person. Yeah, and the thing is, Digimon, the, the way you rebooted to say, what if there was Digimon? Yeah. <laughs> also, I did, no way, I did, I made Digimon the MMO, so, yeah. hey, we already, I'm taking this off the list because we did it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Radioactive, which was another YTV sitcom from the early 2000s. Uh, this which, l- yeah, this one I did not watch. Like, I knew, I was I was aware of it. I saw ads for it. I just didn't watch it nearly as much as I did Fries With That. Yeah. Um, I think Radioactive was more my thing. Um, I What I didn't know was that it was based off of a Quebecois series called Radio Enfer. Um, but basically, huh. the premise is, uh, you have a group of students at this high school who run a radio station called Radioactive, and just chaos follows. So, yeah, it's just basically like, hey, let's have a teen sitcom, but also make it gay. Uh, the only episode I remember is when one guy is like, they have to have a quiz off to see, I guess, who gets the best shift on the radio station. Mm-hmm. And so one guy's being trained by his friend for the quiz, but he's an idiot. And so his friend is like, all right, now, who can you tell me who the Pope was in, like, 1884? Like, well, do you mean the real Pope or the robot Pope? <laughs> And then a few minutes later, he's like, okay, now look at the sentence and tell me which word is the adverb. Well, do you mean the real adverb or the robot adverb? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that episode might be a good one for Ryan to be on because, you know, radio person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me, I should send Ryan that uh, horror novel about a zombie apocalypse centered around a radio station. I'm sure that'll be totally fine for him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, my next entry is Battleship, starring Rihanna. (laughs) I remember watching this back when I was in the reserves. I was on a course. In one of the evenings, we all got drunk and watched this tiny TV that had Battleship on it. It was the best thing ever. (laughs) And I, I feel like there's a good movie in there somewhere. Yeah, we still need to just say fuck you to physics but like yeah yeah like i think i think they should have leaned more into the battleship angle yes and maybe oh wait no i remember my idea was that it's like it's still a war like they're fighting the aliens and then when they make contact they find out that these aliens as far as they know are also in a war game yeah and they realize that they the two of them have been pit against each other by a third alien and so then, like, the the aliens have to team up with the humans to fight the real enemy. Cool. But that, I just did the whole episode. Also, Brianna is still there. Yeah. Highlander. Highlander. <laughs> I, I want to say I'm surprised that they haven't remade Highlander yet, but they keep trying. Yeah. It's kind of up there with Conan in terms of, like, Movies about dudes with big swords. Except they did manage to remake Conan, and no one cared. Yeah. Unfortunately. And that one had The Rock, too. And then they put Conan in Marvel, but then they lost the rights again, so they killed him off. God. 
So much potential there. Oh wait, there's fan fiction for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh yeah, Hi Highlander is I think it worked better as a TV show. Yeah. And you could like they dove into a lot of interesting things with the TV show and then the last season was just a mess. Mhm. Mm but I think you could easily remake it today. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, retain the amazing theme song that is Princes of the Universe by Queen. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah. That would be so good. Anyway, uh, my pick, 15 Love. So... Which is available on Tubi. Oh, cool. Actually, there's, there's a lot of... Black Hole High is on Tubi. Awesome. I should check if Fries With That is on Tubi, actually. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very funny how sorry <laughs> aside is that a lot of things you can find on Tubi you can probably also find just in whole on YouTube yeah but it feels better to watch them on Tubi because it feels like you're like get pulling the wool over someone's eyes <laughs> yeah. so anyway fifteen love it's a, yet another YTV TV series uh, this one is more of a straight drama uh, it's about a bunch of teenagers who attend the Cascadia Tennis Academy. Um, and it's set in, um, or it was filmed in, uh, Saint-Césaire, Quebec, and yeah, it's about teens, it's drama, they're all at this boarding school that specializes in tennis, so, like, you have, like, the usual teen drama with, like, boyfriends and girlfriends and relationships and being teenagers and all that, but also, like, everybody is competing with each other to be the best tennis player. So, yeah, it's just, like, that... But gay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, my next entry is Fighting Fudons. <laughs> this may seem incredible. These Fudons ones are edible. <laughs> so, so, so come right in and take a look at combat creatures you can cook. Fighting Fudons was an anime from the early 2000s, which was a parody of, like, Pokemon and Digimon, and I think even Shaman King on a certain level, which is very amusing because in America, both Fighting Foodons and Shaman King aired on the Fox Box. Yeah. Which is what happened when four kids bought out, like, Saban for control. Well, I guess didn't so much buy out Saban as Saban was bought by Disney and four kids was like, okay, we'll take over. Yeah. The, that three to four year period where four kids was dubbing every single anime that aired on television, I think. Yeah. But it was fine because... Yeah, Fighting Foodons was already a parody of stuff, and the premise was that it was in a fantasy world where if you cook a good enough meal and then slam a special card in it, it will create, like, a warrior. So the main protagonist, he made a really good dish of fried rice, and it turned into Fried Ricer! Uh, and there was a little kid who made some really good dumplings, so they turned into Sir Dumpling! <laughs> um, the, the, the main henchman of the villain was a cat girl. Awesome. But yeah, and so I think in this day and age... Where people are getting, like, real... Like, anime has become way more mainstream, and people are getting real in their own heads about the good anime and the high-quality anime, and it's so much better to... I mean, we were like that, too, back then. Mm -hmm. But, like, we had the hipster thing to hide behind. Now it's just people being kind of obnoxious. Yeah. I think Fighting Fudon should come back just to be a satire of all the other animes that are around now. Like, d start with, like, almost a My Hero Academia premise of they take place in... And the Foodon Academy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but you can parody stuff like, you can parody Attack on Titan by having some giant kaiju Foodon showed up. 
you can parody the more gritty darker anime is showing up. Yeah. Pa- par- parody the harem anime, but it's just like someone creates a watermelon dish. Yeah. Yeah, there's something something Demon Slayer. I, I was about to mention uh, Food Wars, but that's a self-parody right there. Food Wars is its own creature, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and we can parody Isekai too. Because like a, a guy shows up and he thinks he's going to be like in the fantasy world with a bunch of sexy ladies. Like, no, foodons. Yep. Whoa, fried rice or be upon ye. <laughs> so, Gamera, as in the kaiju? Yeah. Okay. What if there was one? Yeah. <laughs> That's... That's basically it. Just, like, add it to the monster-verse, I guess. Yeah, that's the premise. Yeah. Friend to all children, Gamera. (laughs) Okay, so Dark Oracle. God, I was picking so much stuff from YTV, so... You were, yeah, this part of the list was your YTV phase, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dark Oracle, also from 2004, also on YTV. It was created by uh, Jenna Senior, who was a former writer of Degrassi The Next Generation and being Erica. Um, basically, it's about these uh, twins named Callie and Lance who discover a comic book that gives them clues about the future of their lives. And basically, just weird stuff starts happening. There's a blend of live action and like a comic book style animation, and uh, like they have to confront their animated alter egos at times, uh, Violet and Blaze, and like the comic book is kind of like a dark reflection of their world, and yeah, it's uh, it was kind of trippy. If I had a nickel for every time a kid show had an evil alternate version of a main character who was named Blaze, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird it happened twice. <laughs> Alright, my next entry- okay, so technically my next entry is Republic of Doyle Season 6. Yeah. But <laughs> that was back when you were like, we'll just re- uh, reboot specific seasons of shows. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point it's like, Really, my my big my two big gripes for Republic of Doyle season six were that uh, Leslie lost all of her. Oh wait, by the way, Republic of Doyle was a Canadian crime comedy uh, set in Newfoundland about a guy named Jake Doyle who was played by Alan Hocko, his babe. Yeah, and and he tries his best to be a private investigator, but he's he's a little bumbly, but not as bumbly as um oh what's his name? Who's the guy? The author guy, <laughs> Victor Garber. Victor Garber was a recurring character. Who kept on writing like novels that were mean parodies of Jake? <laughs> um, also, the the shitty husband from Ready or Not was like the guy in the chair for them. He was the computer whiz. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, in season five, they introduced a character who turned out to be Jake's like uh, a daughter from out of wedlock from her old high school relationship. Yeah. And I'm apparently the only person on the world who liked her. Because after building this whole thing up and making her part of the Doyle family, in the next season she was like, psych, it was a long con, I'm going to disappear off the face of the earth. Uh, and then they also gave uh, Jake's love interest, Leslie, like, no agency, completely removed all of her, like, bite and charms, just like, oh, Jake, we gotta do this thing. Oh, Jake, we, I, we gotta listen to what Jake says. I'll do anything for Jake. I'm gonna risk my entire career for Jake. I don't know. The, the, every single accent I just did was not Newfoundland one at all. Honestly, the Newfie accent is one of the hardest accents to do. Yeah, you gotta practice a lot. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so but my point being is that Republic of Season 6 was bad. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say, do it better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how it ended, because I stopped watching half with you, because I knew it would be, oh, this is a lost cause at this point. You ruined it! You broke the show! Yep. Um, the next thing in our middle is Jetman, which was the Sentai series that happened right before Juoger. Or, no, wait, no, that's not Juoger. Uh, Zoo Ranger. Okay. Z-Ranger got adapted into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Jetman was almost Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And they're like, no, no, let's wait until next season because they got dinosaurs. Because Jetman was bird-themed. Okay. And so what if it was Power Rangers? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I like our friend Jake's idea best where it's like the monsters are in old VHS tapes or like in a VHS world. And so that explains why the footage is all grimy. Yeah. But all the unmorphed sequences take place like in HD footage with the real kids because it's like, Kind of like VR Troopers, oh, we gotta go into the VHS world in order to fight the bad guys. Because <laughs> VHSs are magic. At this point, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna skip number seven because it's one of my many, oh, historical thing. Let's just make a movie about it. Um, what if, I mean, you can say what it is, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the Night Witches, they were a group of Soviet pilots. They were put into, like, these ancient by 1940 standards like biplanes and they were really fucking good <laughs> yeah i remember you once said that you you wanted that to be the next hbo war series after the pacific yeah. but i think pacific ended up being the last one yeah they could always circle back yeah unless hbo ceases to exist <laughs> uh, oh god i hope david Zaslav fucks up so bad they fire him anyway onward flows the dawn this is like a classic um novel from like the uh early 20th century it's about the dawn cossacks just before world war one into world war one there was a sequel that was also really good um it does have a soviet film but it's like it's hard to get and i don't know i just like historical epics yeah who knew yeah Speaking of historical epics, uh, Atlantis the Lost Empire <laughs> from Disney, which is, you know, the kind of movie that they should be making the live action remake out of. Yes. Not to, hey, the animation for this was great, especially for the time. Yeah. And like the character designs were uh, done by the guy who created Hellboy. Oh, nice. I know that. But now I, I can really see it now. Yeah. yeah. And I think this would be great as like. Make a make it a Disney Plus miniseries. Yeah. Put all the put give it a Marvel miniseries level budget. Yes. Because they would definitely take advantage of that. Oh yeah. And you know you could even front load it with just like putting the team together. So the first two episodes wouldn't even need that many effects, mm. and then after that, that's like the big CGI smorgasbord. Yeah. Give them six episodes. Yeah. Just let them go ham. Exactly. All right. So what is this prehysteria? Oh, you don't know Prehysteria? Okay, so Prehysteria was a film from Moonbeam Entertainment, which is uh, a company notorious in the uh, like late '80s to early 2000s for putting out these direct to D or direct to video and direct to DVD kids movies with not bad budgets, but definitely not at the level that other like theatrical releases were getting. Mm -hmm. But honestly, still pretty good, depending on which film you grab. So they put out stuff like a Magic in the Mirror and Pet Shop and Beanstalk and Prehysteria, Dragon World. 
Um, Dragon Ball is another one I'd like to reboot, but I haven't actually seen it. But hey, they're all on Tubi. Okay. Anyway, so Prehysteria is about some... What was the setup? <laughs> let me let me astral project back to being a kid. It's my favorite movie as a kid because it had dinosaurs in it. And there's a, a guy, there's a shitty archaeologist who steals some eggs from like an ancient Mayan temple. And he's going to sell them off. But while he's talking to his investor, like the he's also a landlord and he's trying to foreclose on a family farm. And they're trying to talk to him, and he's like, no, I'm not, I'm still going to foreclose. And then the dog steals the cooler that the eggs are in and brings it home, and then the dog hatches the eggs, and they're all miniature dinosaurs. So there's a, a, a T-Rex, a Pterodactyl, a Brontosaurus, a Stegosaurus, uh, and a Triceratops. <laughs> I think that's all of them. Um, and the two like middle school kids in the family, because the mom died, and it's sad, and the, but they talk about it well. Um, so the two kids find the dinosaurs and decide to keep them as their pets, and then hilarity ensues, and they have to, and then the dinosaurs help the kids stop the archaeologist from foreclosing on the farm. And then there's a sequel where the dinosaurs are accidentally mailed to a lonely rich boy, and then he te- they help him teach his family how to feel again, and then they're accidentally shipped to a mini-golf course <laughs> where they help mini-golf happen. Okay. And you know, no, I don't think we need to reboot Hysteria, Prehysteria, actually. I think you should just go watch Prehysteria on Tubi. Cool. <laughs> and brighten up your day. Yeah. The Rose of Versailles. So this is like the shoujo series of shoujo series. Um, <laughs> like, if it weren't for the Rose of Versailles, you don't have Revolutionary Girl Utena. It first follows Marie Antoinette when she's the newly married Dauphine of France and later Queen of France. But then like not too far into the series, the perspective switches over to a woman named Oscar Francois de Jauget. And like she was the youngest of six daughters, raises a boy, uh, enters the military, becomes commander of the Royal Guard at the Palace of Versailles. She becomes friends with Marie Antoinette and um, a dude named André Grandier. And basically it, like, follows um, just, like, drama and intrigue and eventually, like, the start of the French Revolution. It goes up to, oh, they do cover the Affair of the Diamond Necklace. And then after the trial by the French, by the Revolutionary Tribunal, Marie Antoinette since, oh, it goes up to, like, when Marie Antoinette was guillotined. So, yeah, it covers a lot of stuff. It's really good. It's huh. got, like, amazing artwork, too. Like, I would love... It did have an anime. Um, It was never dubbed into English. It is uh, currently licensed by Discotheque Media um, for North America. But, yeah, like, I don't think they've ever dubbed it into English. I know that there was a French dub. So... Yeah, I think like a remaster, really it would just be like a remaster and an English dub would be great. Rad. Yeah. Um, my next entry is Street Sharks. Street Sharks was a 90s animated show about 14 brothers who get turned into sharks by an evil scientist. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. Street Sharks is actually probably most notable for uh, when... A kid edited, like, 
dozens of fake episodes into the tv.com wiki and then when that was bought by a bigger corporation those were taken as gospel and like put onto imdb and see like considered to be good proper episodes and people like basically mandela affected themselves into thinking they're all real episodes when they weren't oh (laughs) there is like um a commentary from an actor on how cool it was to work with a certain guest star, even though, like, it is factual that that guest star never actually was on the show. Yeah. Um, but putting all that aside, I simply think it would be cool if there was a new Street Shark cartoon, and you could probably get the same people who were behind Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to do it, because I think that animation style would work real well for them. Yeah. Cool. I have no idea which warriors we put down. Warriors, come out to play! Because that one is perfect! Yeah, I just think they should do it again. <laughs> Have a sweet 80s soundtrack to go with it, too. Yeah, maybe maybe my real hope for Warriors reboot is an actual meeting between all the like gangs who realize that they do actually outnumber all the cops in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, Warriors reboot where they never, like, assassinate the head of all the gangs, and they do actually just dismantle the police. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's gayer. Yeah. Everything is better if it's gayer. I think the original was vaguely gay, in the way that every 80s film is vaguely yeah. gay, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so Shades of Milk and Honey, it's a... Sounds sticky. <laughs> so, it's a, uh, series of books... By Mary Robinette Cowell in the Glamorous Histories. So basically, it's like Jane Austen setting, but there's magic. But the type of magic that they've got, it's mostly like illusion magic. And like you can, yeah, it's just illusion magic. You can make things look prettier. People use magic to for beautification stuff. And the first book, it's about... A young woman who's kind of like an Anne Elliot type. Like, she's getting a bit past her marrying prime by upper middle class standards. And uh, she winds up in a bit of a love triangle. Though, like, the one end of the love triangle, like, he's clearly the Mr. Wrong because he's such a fucking bore. Like, she doesn't think that he's that boring. It's just, like, he's this bog standard Regency hero. And then the other guy the more intriguing guy who becomes the mr right is this like master glamorist and uh from there it's uh it's a lot of adventures dealing with napoleon neat yeah so yeah tv series right there okay so my next one is no ordinary family which was a show on abc yeah about a family that like they get superpowers and they have to deal with the corporation that's responsible for people getting superpowers and it was not an adaptation of any pre-existing comic at all cool on abc on abc exactly why and only lasted for one season which was a major bummer yeah and i think it would be cool if it didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> if it did if it was more more than one season um, yeah. And it probably, honestly, it probably got cancelled because they wanted to do more Marvel-adapted stuff, which sucks. Like, at least try and sell it off to another, like, network or something. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'd be cool to have just a superhero show that's not based on something from the big two and gets to be its own thing, so the only mythology it has to deal with is its own. Yeah. And Michael Chiklis was in it. Mm-hmm. 
So was Lucy Lawless for like a hot minute. She was kind of set up to be the villain of the second season, but again, they only got the one season, so. Yeah. Major bummer. Yeah. All right. The man from Uncle 2. Two men, two uncle. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't think this would work now. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not above remaking it as a TV series because it did start as a TV series. That is true. Yeah. Hey, Lindsay, what are the odds that we're just going to put Uncle, <laughs> fold Uncle into S.H.I.E.L.D. or possibly Atlas in our fanfic? You know what? The way things are going, it might be high. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a good premise, and, like, the production behind the movie was very good. The movie was a very well-made movie. It was a good movie. Really, the only problem is that, oh no, one of our main stars is a cannibal. No. <laughs> That is a twist no one saw coming. This is literally literally the only thing I needed Army Hammer to stay a decent person about. Yeah. This is all I needed you for. <laughs> Maybe we'll just get this. What if we just replace him with the stuntman who played the other Winklevi? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Because I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm pretty sure Henry Cable's down for whatever. Like, the dude can act if you give him a a meathead to play. Anyway, um, number 11, Christine Granville, Christina Scarbeck movie or series. Yeah, movie or TV series about this uh, woman named uh, Christina Scarbeck. She was an Anglo-Polish spy during World War II. Uh, she is considered by some to be the inspiration for Vesper Lind. Uh, she had a really cool life. She needs more recognition, basically. And, I don't know, Ava Green could probably play her. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, my next one is... Okay, so I it's, it's a twofer here, because I have an entry for an MCU Sensational 7 movie and an MCU Marvel 29 movie. But those are just like, again, hey, it'd be cool if you did something with them. Yeah. Um, we could probably do a Sensational 7 thing in ours because sensational seven was like a bunch of western heroes yeah the magnificent seven but mcu edition exactly i know red wolf was there and two gun kid it was like red wolf annie oakley and five kids billy the two gun colt oh my god i just got a movie for angie right there <laughs> <laughs> oh oh that would be f what if what if we did a fic where it's like the one chapter is the or like the first half of the chapter is the actual historical and the second half is the movie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Wishbone. Wishbone. More wishbone. Yeah. No, really great premise of having a very cute Jack Russell Terrier play historical and fictional figures. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think the, on the only reason I can think of for them ending the series is either the dog got too old to act or they ran out of stories to adapt. Yeah. Uh, Baron Ungern Sternberg. I was actually saving that one for Halloween. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is like a real-life fucking comic book villain. This dude... So, Russian... German-Russian dude from the Baltic who was like he had he developed this really weird 
really poorly understood combination of Orthodox Christianity and Mahayana Buddhism, or not Mahayana, Vajrayana, Tibetan Buddhism. Okay. And then he became like this warlord out in Mongolia during the Russian Civil War. He called himself like a reincarnation of a god of war. And just fucking terrifying dude. Um... So yeah, wouldn't make for a good movie. Alright, I've got Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yeah. A show I have never seen, but the <laughs> premise sounded neat, and it'd be cool if they rebooted it. It's yeah. about, basically it's about a woman who takes over as a doctor for a frontier town, and they're like, a woman doctor? And she's like, yeah, s- stop having gangrene. Wash your hands. Basically. I'm not sure how I was supposed to be able to reboot that solely on the premise. Again, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this was? Okay, moving on. Yeah. I mean, I'm down for Western, so, yeah. I guess Avengers Endgame continuation, Captain America fixes history, but let's just reboot Infinity War and Endgame itself. We're kind of doing that with our fic. We're already doing that! Go read our fanfiction! Yeah! Go read Sixes and Sevens, Shadow of the Eagle, Agent Carter, Phantom Pain, and The Haunting of Villa Layla. <laughs> there will be more. You're working on some Doctor Doom stuff, right? I got, yeah, I gotta talk to you about Doom afterwards. <laughs> okay. We're, be- we're We are going to reach modern Marvel with this thing. <laughs> we're highly <laughs> invested. <laughs> um kidnapped so robert louis stevenson's other teen novel so the premise for this one is it's set in scotland after the highland rising of 1745 it's about this kid named david balfour who um he's recently orphaned and he goes to his uncle to get his inheritance and his uncle ebenezer is a fucking asshole and tries to get rid of him by uh basically having him kidnapped and taken into indentured servitude over in the colonies but he manages to escape because the the ship that he's on manages to run into a smaller skiff that's carrying this dude named alan breck stewart who is a jacobite who was like back in scotland trying to raise funds for the jacobites in exile in france and shenanigans and having to run across Scotland to stay out of the clutches of the British army ensue. And yeah, I just think it would be a, probably a movie. You might be able to turn this into a miniseries because there's also a murder mystery involved. Yeah. Yeah. So, Inspector Gadget for you. Yeah. Again, I just think it'd be cool to do a not fully straight, grim and gritty Inspector Gadget, but like a fun live action, probably a little bit more serious than the Matthew Broderick film. Yeah. But basically like a, I guess, Bionic Man, or no, the suppose Six Million Dollar Man, but for kids. Yeah, like one of the goofier James Bonds, but for kids. Yeah. I just think it'd be fun. Like, Inspector Gadget is already a fun premise. And yeah. I mean, I... I I understand the premise of that Gadget is a buffoon and it's really Penny who does all the work, but I think it would be, like, I I appreciate the Matthew Broderick film because in the Matthew Broderick film, he is mostly competent. Yeah. Yeah, like, my favorite, I think I said this before, but, like, my favorite iteration of the Crouching Moron Bent 
hidden badass trope is basically Jackie Chan. Where it's like, he has the martial arts skills of Bruce Lee, but the comedy uh, acumen of Buster Keaton. Yeah, and also, a lot of his characters, it seems like they're really good by accident. Like, yeah. they're kind of, they, they're blundering their way through the props department, but they're already good enough that it's like, no matter what you literally throw at them, they can throw it back yeah. at you. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe I'd have to rewatch it, maybe it's actually terrible, but... What I remember from the Matthew Project Inspector Gadget movie is that he was bumbling because he wasn't used to all of these gadgets that had been put in him. Yeah. And so it was like, he was, I mean, okay, he wasn't a detective before, he was a security guard, but he was still confident what he was trying to do, but then he'd, like, screw himself up because he had, like, accidentally summoned the toothpaste slick or the propeller hat when he wasn't trying to. Yeah. Um, so, quick question, have we done a Flying Rhino Junior High episode? We have not. Huh. Okay. So Flying Rhino Junior High had a banger theme song. There was a phantom in a basement. The principal's yeah. a spy. Or the, the janitor's a spy. The principal's a rhino, and no one's asking why. Yeah. Because <laughs> anything is possible at Flying Rhino Junior High. Anything! Cha cha cha! So this is our first uh, kids slash teen show that wasn't on YTV. This one was on Teletoon. Yeah. And it was technically edutainment, but no one noticed on account of, well, I don't think they were trying very hard at the edutainment, but also a lot of it was just like action and antics and like the kids having fun because the, the, the phantom who's like a kid who flunked out of science class is living in the basement and using his high tech machinery to like transport the school through time or through space or to clone people or to release sentient super viruses. And everyone knows he's there. And they're just like, oh, looks like the Phantom has summoned the Amazon rainforest in the gymnasium. This is an excellent opportunity to study conservation. Yeah. And once again, I think the team behind Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles could have a lot of fun with this. Yeah. If there's a show about a guy who's a creature, put him oh. on it. Yeah. So my next one is Murder, She Wrote. Um, Go watch Pushing Up Roses. She does really great summaries of Murder, She Wrote episodes. Uh, basically, Jessica Fletcher is a mystery writer following in the footsteps of, like, Miss Marple. Or just wherever she goes, murder happens. Yeah. <laughs> She's not responsible for it, it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she solves these murders all the time. And, uh, it's a really cute, cozy show, and I think the world needs needs more cute, cozy mystery shows. We need more fun murders instead of those sad murders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we probably can't get Angela Lance. What? Is Angela Lansbury dead? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure she's still alive. But, like, even during the production of the show, she had to reduce her hours and how many yeah. episodes she could commit to. Ooh, she's nearly 100. Oh, good for her. Yeah. I, if it got into production fast enough i bet she could like do a cameo in the first episode as like the new jessica's mother or grandmother or something yeah and or maybe i wouldn't be shocked if there was something in her will is like here's a recording of me doing like a narration for murder she wrote wrote if you decide to remake it yeah or even just have a picture of her in like on the mantelpiece like oh grandmama we're really in it now yeah <laughs> um does did jessica fletcher ever have kids uh... I, 
I think at some point she had a husband, but I don't remember her having kids on the show ever mentioned, at least in the episodes that Pushnop Roses talks about. Well, her character was never married and didn't have kids. Uh, Angela Lansbury was married twice, first to the actor uh, Richard Cromwell, uh, when she was 19 and he was 35. She, okay, she did have a husband, Frank Fletcher, in the backstory. Yeah. And then she had two nephews, Grady Fletcher and Johnny Eaton, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nieces. Mm-hmm. Pamela, Tracy, Victoria, Carol, Audrey, Nita, Jill, and Carrie. Yeah. She had two brothers. So those, like, nine kids are from two brothers. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but I'm thinking, okay, so it could either be that, like, it's her, one of her great nieces, or great, yeah, it would have to be a great niece. It wouldn't be the same, it wouldn't be Murder, She Wrote if it was a guy in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's one of her great nieces, like, taking over, so it's Murder, She Wrote, The Next Generation. Or it is just a reboot, and they say Jessica Fletcher is, or, like, Angela Lansbury's image is the grandmother, just as a yeah. cute gag. Um, yeah. And if people are like, well, how is Jessica Fletcher encountering that many murders? The show could, like, start at the beginning of her writing career, where she's, like, following a private investigator, and that's why she, like, gets into it. And then, like, going forward, it's just her reputation at being able to piece things together starts having yeah. people come to her directly. Yeah. So my next one is the Moncoli Knights, which is another 90s anime that was also a parody series, kind of. It was okay. about two... It's about two kids named Mondo and Rockna who find out from Rockna's dad that the world in their monster-themed trading cards and video games is real, and they can go there by, like, launching themselves through the mystical gateway in their big bird-shaped ship. Uh, but when they get there, they find out there's another party of, like, oh, what's his name? Because he had a silly name. I think he had a silly name in the original, too, but the dub gave him a silly name because it was a 90s anime. Uh, Count Ludwig Presto von Meinstein Collection? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> oh, but in the dub, he was Prince Ludwig von Monsterstein Eccentro. <laughs> <laughs> and so he and his minions, uh, Batch and Gluco, would also go to the monster world and try and collect monsters so that they could control them for their own nefarious deeds. And, and so then the kids would ha have to, like, put their souls inside one of the monsters they befriended so that mo that monster could fight the monster that had been blasted by uh, Prince Eccentro's Schizobeam! We're changing the name of that. Yeah. But yeah, and so, but it was also, like, the whole thing was built on gags. There were monsters like the Baseball Giant. He was a giant who played baseball. <laughs> um, their version of the Pokedex was Cluck Pewter, which is a supercomputer shaped and acting like a chicken and makes clucking noises when a monster is nearby. Alright. And then the finale, they have to, like, stop a, an evil angel from, like, stealing time across the entirety of the monster world. And they team up, get to team up with a hot fallen angel who represents the darkness <laughs> oh my god, the edgiest of edgy. And I, I just think there's potential to, to do it again. Yeah. Uh, Lego crossover games. They're good and you should make more of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's the show. That's it. The Master and Margarita probably make for a good miniseries. Uh, it's a Russian novel by Mikhail Bulgakov. 
um, it was one of those books that like wasn't published in the Soviet Union because, um, oh boy, would it not get pe- shit past the censors? It's weird, like parody of life in the early days of the Soviet Union plus magic. There is a giant evil cat uh, <laughs> who might be Odin. And why would the cat be Odin? Would the cat not be Freya? Kind of like a mixture of Odin and Lucifer or Wotan. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And yeah, just like weird shenanigan stuff happens. And it's also yet another one of those books that's considered a classic but has never gotten um, an English adaptation. My next entry is The Wraith, a movie from 1986 starring Charlie Sheen. Oh. Teen Sheen. Teen Sheen. The Wraith tells the story of an Arizona teen who mysteriously returns from the dead as a supernatural or possibly alien-created street racer driving an invulnerable supercar. His intent is to take revenge on the gang who murdered him. Okay. Uh, It's believed that this was partially responsible for inspiring, like, either inspiring some storylines or inspired by storylines from the Ghost Rider comics. Okay. It's also widely believed that uh the street like the, the, the teen sheen in his like street racer outfit also inspired uh the VRV trooper from Car oh. Ranger, who was then adapted to the Phantom Ranger in Power Rangers Turbo. Okay. Uh so that's the main reason it just ended up on a radar, but also like one of the main characters is Teen Sheen's brother. And when Teen Sheen returns from the dead, he has a different face. He was he was not a Teen Sheen when he died, he was a Teen Sheen on return. Okay. So there's a scene where Teen Sheen is talking to Teen Sheen's brother, and and then the brother realizes that Teen Sheen is actually his own deceased brother, and he starts crying, and the brother's like, it's okay, I have to leave now. I was like, I got a little bit emotional, because it's really well acted, as like he drives off into the night, and the brother chases after, like, oh, I'll wait for you to come back! Um, And then the movie screws it up by immediately revealing that it's not like he has to return to the underworld or something, no, he's going off to go on a drive with his girlfriend, actually. Jeez. <laughs> but I think it's a good enough premise that it could be worked into something that actually has good pathos. Yeah. Also, sweet racing sequences. Of course. And then in our either column, the next entry is Green Lantern, which we basically just talked about last year when we did the DCEU. Yeah. John Stewart, get him into fucking space. Damn, it's a shame that they're never making another DC Comics movie again. Yeah. Now, Lindsay, the next option on yours is the Akhenaten Opera. <laughs> I thought it would be an interesting thing to adapt. I'm sure it would be, but much like how I'm not able to do music theory, I don't know if you're capable of writing an opera on your own. No, there's already an Akhenaten opera. Oh, right. By Philip Glass. I've seen it. It's good. I almost want to have, like, it's an opera, but it's also like a a film production. Everybody's just singing. That's called musical. Yeah, basically a musical. Is Phantom of the Opera not itself an opera? No, I guess not. Yeah, because like I think the big dividing line between opera and a musical is like nobody really talks; all of the dialogue is sung. That's right. And I just thought like you could still get away with that. Yeah, it'd be hard to cut a trailer for. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but hey, something weird, something experimental. The the credits critics would love it. I, I have Death Race as another option on here, but I'm taking it off, because now that I, more than I think about it, Death Race starring Jason Salem is actually a perfect movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you also have Bartimaeus Sequence. Hey, Bartimaeus Sequence slaps, y'all. If you never had the chance to read it, 
It was a trilogy of YA novels. Uh, it's about an alter, slightly alternate universe London, where everyone in the government is also a warlock who summons demons to do their bidding. It, but the first book is about a little boy who summons a demon named Bartimaeus, who, like, kind of, like, accidentally becomes his confidant slash friend just because he's the demon that the kid is constantly summoning and they get embroiled in a political plot in the second book the boy has grown up and now he's actually part of the parliament and like everyone's judging him for constantly summoning the same demon and like never dismissing him instead of like going through demons as needed stuff like that bartimaeus is an incredibly snarky demon uh he has fun things to say about history and gender and um talks a lot about his best friend maybe boyfriend ptolemy you know from ancient egypt ptolemy that ptolemy that um ptolemy. there was also a spin-off where yeah. uh about his time with ptolemy yeah he likes to talk in a lot of footnotes nice and i think it would just be a really cool like it it easily could have if they made a movie when it was coming out i bet it could have unseated harry potter yeah but hey it's it's not too late mm-hmm. paramount i guess do you want to make a Bartimaeus movie? I'm sure you'd love it. Yep. All right. Calamity Jane cartoon. Do you remember the Calamity Jane cartoon, right? Ugh. It was on Kids WB. Okay. It was about Calamity Jane. <laughs> cool. I yeah, just, I don't it, think I ever watched it. I just think Calamity Jane's great and we should have another cartoon about her. Yeah. Uh, the Legend of Calamity Jane, that's what it was called. Yeah, and probably the reason why I didn't watch it was because it was one of those times when my family didn't have anything more than farm cable. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. While Bill Hickok was in there and he was voiced by Clancy Brown. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's because I... The other thing I remembered is I was mixing it up with Tombstone. Oh. Or not Tombstone. Um, fuck. There was a Western show on HBO that was really popular back in the 2000s. And it did have Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane in there. And Buffalo Bill Cody. Whom it turns out I'm related to. Oh, cool. I'm related to the judge who uh, tried the murder of Bill Hickok. Cool. So, anyway, John LaCroix Cinematic Universe. So... John LeCray is like my favorite author, uh, spy author, worked for like every spy agency in Britain during the, during the early days of the Cold War before he's like, you know what, I prefer writing. Also, Kim Philby kind of like sold, basically sold me out to the Soviets. Uh, a lot of his books have been adapted, but like there's a bunch of the George Smiley books or the, like the Smiley books, the books that have George Smiley as a character that I think it would be great if they actually did like a proper series adaptation. From beginning to end. And yeah. Something in between installments of James Bond. Alright, my next one is another Roger Rabbit movie. uh, With a note here that this would focus on the death of animation. Yeah. Which I put on hold because I felt like animation was actually doing pretty well. (laughs) Yeah! Um, But yeah, it's basically exactly what it sounds like. That it would take place... Years after the original, I I know there's other Roger Rabbit books. I'm not going to worry about them, especially because I think like the movie influenced the books after the fact, and so they don't quite have the same premise as the original who censored Roger Rabbit book. Yeah, 
But I do think it would be interesting to have, like, years after the first Roger Rabbit movie, like, Roger Rabbit was riding high, and then, like, all these live-action remakes keep coming in. I think another issue is that the new Chip and Dale movie is also kind of like this, because yeah. it's, like, you've got one of them, I can't remember which one, but one of them is animated, but the other one has gotten the CGI live-action treatment, and yeah. it's just a lot of mishmashing different animation styles together. Um, <laughs> but I personally think it's extremely, like, that movie just looks like ass. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, my my idea for Roger Rabbit sequel is about mm-hmm. someone's the the death of animation. It's a murder mystery, but the the villains are the corporations. Yeah. Um, serious about the young Queen Elizabeth I, specifically between fifteen forty seven and fifteen fifty eight. Yes, there's already a series out there. It fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, playing way too fast and loose with history when it's already a good story. Like they aged up Elizabeth from, like, a 13-year-old when Henry VIII died to, like, a 17-year-old. So, like, they could... Uh, they did the thing where they made her relationship with Thomas Seymour more romantic than it actually was. Like, okay, so you're a 14-year-old um, noble girl, roy- quasi-royal, because, like, your dad made your... The, the whole thing with her mom. But, like, yeah, at the time, girl of that... Of that social status had to think about marriage and all that and she wasn't thinking that she was going to be queen someday she had a seemingly healthy younger brother and a older sister who was probably going to get married to someone at some point so yeah probably should get married probably should think about that but yeah thomas seymour is a fucking creep and it should have been played like that and also like they totally slandered catherine parr who was a brilliant woman like one of the first a woman who definitely published her own books in English and was a leading figure of the English Reformation. Like, I have a lot of feelings about this time period because Elizabeth and, like, the people around her are going through some interesting stuff and I want to do it right. (sighs) So, yeah, I can make a better series than what they got right now. Okay. Uh, let's see, next on my list is the Big Bang Theory. Why? Women. Okay. We throw out the men. Well, we don't completely throw out the men, but we focus on the women. We can introduce men later. Yeah. But instead of it being Penny befriending Sheldon, Leonard, Howard, and Raj, it's Penny befriending Amy and Bernadette. Yeah. And there were only two other girls. Uh, I, th- I want to say that there was one named Leslie. Right, Leslie, because Leslie was like Leonard's on again, off again romance in the first two seasons, because she was yeah. played by the girl from Roseanne, because he was all- Johnny Galecki was also on Roseanne. Yeah, that was yeah, and then she was there for the first two seasons, then she evaporated because they decided no, we really are gonna put him with Penny. But uh, yeah, so Penny, Leslie, and Amy and Bernadette yeah. are the focal point, and they're the ones who hang out in the uh, the comic book shop. And Penny, Penny still has her funny observations on... Com- really, it's just girls hanging out and eventually running a comic shop. With yeah. Penny being the outsider who is like, I, I can learn to enjoy this stuff. Really, there was an episode of Big Bang Theory. Because it had good episodes, believe it or not. There was an episode where the B-plot was the girls like, oh, the boys are so funny with their comics. Like, it doesn't even make sense. And then they get into like a debate about like 
who can and can't wield Thor's hammer and, like, start drawing up physics and stuff. And, like, it's cutting away to, like, it cut to the boys, like, doing some whatever bullshit, vaguely misogynistic thing. It cuts to the girls having the debates. Eventually, it cuts back to the girls, like, Penny's apartment is just covered with comic books and they're diving through long boxes and stuff like okay see in this issue it shows that the hulk is able to wield it through pure strength alone even though in this issue it says that it's a singularity point in the universe and therefore only people who resonate with it should be able to move it (laughs) so basically i i want i want a show where it's just a whole series of that kind of stuff that yeah. kind of humor with Penny still being like the girl who's new to it. And the other three girls are like, they've been in it so long that sometimes the weirdness can go over their heads. Yeah. But because there's women arguing about it, it automatically is going to be easier to, for me to access than guys arguing. Cause guys arguing is going to be too often when the guys are arguing about comic books, it's like, oh, why are there women here? And I like when the, when women argue about comic books, I found they get into weird nitty gritty details. Yeah. Also, Penny, like, they try to make her, like, the girly girl and all that. She gave off way too much jock energy to me. That's the thing. I think Penny and Amy should date. <laughs> yeah. And I think Penny's backstory is that she was the tomboy jock. Bernadette can say the same. Yeah. Bernadette is adorable. We all love Bernadette. Yeah. Um. Anyways, we covered everything that both of us could do. Yeah. Uh, your next thing is Sharp. Yeah, uh, the Sharp series. That's the one with the guy. <laughs> That's the one with Sean Bean where he doesn't die. <laughs> he keeps on not dying. This is like an eight book series because he can't die. <laughs> yeah, Sharp goes through the entire Napoleonic Wars. It is a really great series. Um, And... Actually, there's a lot of appeal to, like, younger readers. Like, if I were to recommend, a, like, an adult literature series to teenagers, like, especially middle schoolers, I would recommend the Sharp series. They're fun. They're pulpy. Um, Sharp is, like, the biggest badass ever because, again, he doesn't fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with... Well, there was a, a, a TV adaptation series that had Sean Bean in it. Um, it was okay. I think we can do better. And yeah, basically it. Just follow nice. the books. They're good. Um, I just checked. and We've been going for almost an hour and a half. Yeah. So I'm going to close off with one last thing from my list. So it's even-ish, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I've just got Gamma World, the tabletop game. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a game where it was kind of like, it was kind of like Fallout tabletop game. And then at some point in one of their various editions, they change it to be more like satirical and humorous. And ah. then they just kind of get back and forth and back and forth for a lot of them. The most recent one was Gamma World 7th Edition, which was put out by Wizards of the Coast and is compatible with D&D 4th Edition, which tells you how old it is. Yeah. Um, and basically the, the premise is that the apocalypse, every apocalypse that could happen happened at once in every reality and just caused all realities to shmoop together into a single Earth. Okay. And your player character is made by combining two different origins. So you can be a plant person combined with a cat person. So you're a cat person made of plants. Or you could be a robot combined with a pyrokinetic. Or you could be a rat swarm combined with a yeti. 
<laughs> Which makes you wonder, are you a Yeti-sized swarm of rats, or are you a person size, person made of a swarm of rat-sized Yetis? <laughs> There's a lot of comic potential, and I really like that. And I think it'd be cool if it got, like, an updated supplement. And I've seen yeah. a few people try, but some of them don't really work. And I think, ultimately, my ideal Gamma World 8th edition, or equivalent, would take a page out of the game Glitter Force, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game that is about magical girls, but instead of, like, a normal PBTA, where, you, like, you pick your playbook and your playbook has, like, ten different moves and a gimmick, yeah. um, you in Glitter Force, you pick from two playbooks. You pick, like, the Civilian Persona playbook and the Magical Girl Persona playbook. Okay. And each of them has, like, five moves and a gimmick. And then you can just, like, combine them and mix and match stuff. Yeah. And I think that's how you do Gamma World. And that's it! That was our lightning round that went on for all... <laughs> Way this was long. the equivalent exchange for doing a year's worth of 45-minute episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess in that case, we're just going to really quickly go through all of our friendship promos. No, I'm not going to do that. Here's a normal one. Hey y'all, come right in, make yourself comfortable, because you've found the Home for Rayred OCs. It's a podcast where I, Christina, talk with creators about their original characters. The good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Characters like Atticus Flint, a planet-hopping mentor dad. Jacques Salachi, a solar punk seafaring chef. Sequinox, a season-themed magical girl squad. Sheena the Talking Cow and a whole team of post-apocalyptic contract writers. To hear about those OCs and more, listen to us on your local podcatcher of choice, and talk to me on Twitter at WaywardOCPod. I hope you enjoy your stay! Alright, Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits in there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced NERIF! You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your, uh, I don't know, suggestions for another lightning round. Yeah. We, we only got through like half of our lists. Yeah. We got through like a third of Lindsay's list. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that email is also where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube or even your DeviantArt. Also, just a quick aside, uh, even though we're going on hiatus in a few weeks, still send us friendship promos because we'll use them when we get back. And also we share them with other people who like putting in friendship promos. So like, it'll still get into like the ad cycle. Yeah. Not if I reboot you first is a member of the Corner Podcast Network and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. And as always, our cover art is by Alex Fierce. Her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info is available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. All right, Lindsay, next week, Once Upon a Time, Season 6. Yay! This might be the end. It might not be. We'll, we'll figure it out. Hades is gearing up to deal with death. Also, uh, Hrothbart has finally become a villain. Yeah. After being vaguely referenced in the background in literally every episode. <laughs> it's one of those things where, if, like, I actually wrote down wrote this down as a fucking fan fiction. It would be, 
be far more interesting. His arc yeah, would be no, far more interesting. It's just funny because it was definitely you trying to figure out when the best part to introduce him is. Because the first one was like, we could talk about Hrothbart, I don't know. And the second one was like, I bet Hrothbart was part of Korra's, uh, the people in the dome who didn't get got by the curse. And the third season, then you're finally like, and now I think this is where they should team up with Hrothbart. And then fourth season, and now they're definitely teamed up with Hrothbart. And then finally fifth season is like, well, he's plot relevant now, so they have to team up with Hrothbart. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I, I could have done this better, but anyway. Listen, considering that half of it is just us flying by the seat of our pants and inventing it all. Yeah. I don't know. One day I'll finally write down this Once Upon a Time fanfiction. Exactly. Yeah. After we finish the Marvel one. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can work on multiple things. I've been thinking about a Pokemon fanfiction for a while, so yeah. Oh, good God. Yeah. I've been thinking about a Comrider fanfic and Power Rangers. And you've also got a Glee fanfic. I do also have a Glee fanfic, which I fell off of just because I took like a three-week break from watching Glee episodes because of scheduling stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are getting a bit too long. So uh, Yeah, I'm gonna end all that anyways. Uh, okay. So we'll see you next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye.